0: The very first thing to solve a problem is recognize you have one. I think over the last couple of years, we've learned that we have a problem with the teaching profession right now in the United States, and we need to figure out a way to solve it. That's Rob Weil,
1: Director of Research, Policy, and Field Programs in the Educational Issues Department of the American Federation of Teachers. He's one of nearly 100 presenters at the Strategic School Staffing Summit, in February, 2024. This event brings together thought leaders from across the country who are changing the way that schools are staffed to be better for both learners and educators. I'm your host, Brent Madden, Executive Director of the Next Education Workforce Initiative at Arizona State University's Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College. Let's hear more from Rob about his upcoming session and the role of teachers unions in strategic school staffing. Rob wow, welcome. It's so good to have you. It's great to be here, Brett. Give us a little bit of background. To tell us a little bit about yourself, your organization, what you do there.
0: Well, I work for the American Federation of Teachers. We represent 1.7 million members around the country and around the world and overseas teachers. I'm the director of research policy and field services in the Ed Issues Department. That's our way of saying K-12 education at the American Federation of Teachers. And so I work a lot on K-12 issues all across the board. You're dabbling in
1: other technologies, contracts. What specifically are you uh, dipping into in this role?
0: I'm responsible for a lot of different things, but obviously uh, there's huge overlap with you know, our paraprofessional members. There's huge overlap with higher ed. There's huge overlap with the other constituency. I actually do work with the public employees and the healthcare em- employees because I do a lot of work on artificial intelligence and the impact of AI on, the, uh, on workers and AI effects on education. So it's not that neat, clean separation that people have maybe in their jobs. My job is more splashes over into the different constituencies, but my primary responsibility is K-12. I think that's one
1: of the the reasons that we're so excited to have you at this year's National Strategic School Staffing Summit is because of all the different hats and the the crossover in which you're involved. So uh, you've got a session that you've proposed, uh, maybe you'll even bring some colleagues along with you. Uh, it's entitled "Using Collective Bargaining to Promote Strategic Staffing." Give us the the headline. What should people expect?
0: Hopefully, what we're trying to get across to the people who attend the sessions is that collective bargaining can be a tool to help strengthen the collaboration, strengthen the commitment to new models. Too many times, people look at collective bargaining as a hurdle to overcome in schools when Actually, if you work together as labor and management together, it can be a very powerful tool to strengthen the culture, strengthen your commitment to making changes happen in your school district. It can actually be a driver of change as opposed to a hurdle against change. Have you seen some specific places in the country where something like this has been that kind of catalyst? We'll bring a lot of examples of different places that do this. That's kind of the surprise we're going to bring to the (laughs) summit, Uh is that there are places that have tried new things, do new things through collective bargaining, and they have been successful. And also, it's a learning process for both labor and management of how to use the tools they have to strengthen what they want to do for kids and students and schools.
1: Anything that makes for an exceptionally strong agreement or part of that process as you're thinking about people that are contemplating the session and what you're doing, any, any high-level pieces of advice?
0: I've been collective bargaining for a long time. I hate to tell you how long, but a long time. And the key around it is, you know, building a trust relationship that is key to making collective bargaining work. Too many times people circumvent the drafting part, the relationship part of collective bargaining. And it doesn't make any sense because it's just like any other relational situation you have. You try to build trust so that better things can happen in the relationship. And so building trust is an important piece. Trust doesn't mean you always agree. I want to be very clear. Trust doesn't mean you're always in agreement. What trust means is you understand where they're coming from, and I can trust that they're being forthcoming with us so that we can solve the problems or we can find collective solutions to what we're facing. What I'm talking about is a trusting relationship where we can be frank with each other, talk with each other, and actually get down to where we agree and where we disagree and really focus on coming to a good agreement.
1: That makes a ton of
0: sense. And 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 that, that trust starts uh you know at the very beginning. Obviously. I mean, one of the most important things we talk about when we talk about collective bargaining is don't wait until, you know, some kind of artificial deadline. Now I have to bargain and now I'm gonna to talk to the other side. It should be something where you're developing these relationships throughout the time. And when you're talking about something like strategic staffing, this is something you would talk about probably off cycle, as opposed to on the collective bargaining cycle, where you would actually start talking about this, not when the pressure's on to come to a huge agreement and everybody's paying attention to what's going on, but actually starting that trusting relationship to build and understand what the needs are of the labor group, what's the needs of the management group, and to build those things so that when you do get into collective bargaining, you have much better chance of success you built that relationship over time, not awaiting to when you're in the middle of a difficult cycle of contention. That does happen in negotiations sometimes.
1: When we're talking about strategic school staffing, one of the very first questions that I almost always get is, well, what do the teachers unions think about this? What's your response?
0: I think our members are looking for anything they can get, because right now the current profession, most of them would say, right now, what I'm doing is not sustainable. And we need to figure out a way to be more sustained and do what we need to do for kids, do what we need to do for communities. But we have to create a profession. We have to create it in a way that's more sustainable. And I think a strategic staffing model, the things we're talking about, or you're talking about at ASU, is very interesting to our members because they do want to work together. They do want to collaborate with each other. Being isolated, what I call Instructional isolation is not a great model, and we need to try to figure out how we don't keep on repeating ourselves. One of the things that that one teacher, one classroom model has to it is every teacher's recreating the same thing in their classrooms all the way down the hallway, when if they just were working together, it would be a much better use of time. And actually, the product, what they come out with, the instructional program they provide would be so much better. Our members are not against looking at models like this, looking at models that do look at diverse roles and differentiated roles for educators. They're not against that. In fact, I headed up AFT's Teacher Shortage Staffing Study, and in that study, it talks about differentiated roles, teachers wanting differentiated roles, talked about working together in teams, talked about collaboration. Those kind of things that seem not readily available today, hopefully down the road. I think one of the biggest challenges we have, especially when we talk about collective bargaining and some of these other things, many of our members just can't even comprehend that there's another way to do it out there because they've been in it for so many years. And if we're able to show them things, show them different models, show them ways that we can work together, I believe we'll we'll get a lot of teachers really happy about where where the profession is going. You know, all of this
1: uh, resonates deeply with me, Rob. One of the things that we're doing is we're bringing together a whole set of thought leaders at this uh, at this national strategic school staffing summit. And you've had a chance to to peek at the agenda uh, in advance. And I'm just curious, um, any other sessions stand out that you're excited to to go to and and check
0: out? Well, I want to hear what Cindy Martin has to say and where the Department of Ed is on this. I think that's really important. Of course, Brett, I want to hear what you have to say because that's critical for everybody who's going to come. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but I also, there's another, you know, we're doing a session on collective bargaining, using collective bargaining, and some of the examples we're going to bring. There's another session on reimagining collective bargaining. Like you said, there are other thought leaders, there are many really interesting sessions. Anybody who is serious about looking at the profession should really dig deep into the program that you guys created because there's something for everybody. And there is actually a really good theme throughout this agenda of really moving the profession forward. And I appreciate that. And I thank you guys at ASU for creating that.
1: We're certainly biased toward action, and we're humbled to be doing this work. Uh, truly, I think arm in arm with many people, and and the the thought here is to bring together a whole set of people, a very diverse group of uh, of attendees and and thought leaders to engage in a larger conversation. Right, the dialogue that's I think really important to move this forward. Last question I've got for you, Rob, is what have you seen or read or been a part of recently that brings hope in terms of the future of the education workforce?
0: You know, a lot of times my work isn't necessarily focused on the good side of things. You know, we, we deal with issues. But one of the things that I do believe is that the very first thing to solve a problem is recognize you have one. And I think that that's what we see right now around the country for the last couple of years is a recognition that we have to do something around the teaching and learning that we provide in our schools. That has to change. There has to be a change. And that's the first step to changing it. When people say there has to be something new or different that we do because what we're doing isn't working as well as we want. And so I think that's critical. I mean, we all know that the first way to solve a problem is realize you have one. I think over the last couple of years, we've learned that We have a problem with the teaching profession right now in the United States, and we need to figure out a way to solve it.
1: Rob, thank you for doing your work to be part of that solution uh, and your leadership. And I can't wait for your session uh, at this year's National Summit.
0: Thank you, Brett. I appreciate the time.
1: You can hear more from Rob on February 7th and 8th at the all-virtual Strategic School Staffing Summit. Go to next.education.asu.edu for the full agenda, or check the show notes for details. If you're interested in thinking differently about how we staff schools, I hope you join us. For now, thanks for listening, and until next time, be well, be safe, and keep learning.